How many of you guys have a younger brother or younger sister under the age of like five? Okay, I have another question. Um, do they say really crazy things? A lot. Okay. Um, uh, we're doing a series uh, on relationships, and recently there were uh, some kids that were uh, surveyed about some questions about relationships, and uh, sort of give you a window into um, how a kid's mind works. Uh, these answers are, I think, very interesting. Um, uh, so the question, what would be a bad Valentine's Day gift? Um, here's, here are some responses to that question. Uh, one kid said, My dad gave my mom two new towels and an iron. Someone, someone else said, someone else said a, a bad Valentine's Day gift would be a tissue with boogers on it because it is not full of love and romantic. Uh, another kid, I'm guessing a guy, said, um, your eyeball. And then someone else said, I guess I have to say socks unless the socks had cats in them or flashing lights. That would be a great pair of socks. All right, next question. What question would you ask on a first date? This person said, I would ask, do you have a girlfriend? Are you ready for a relationship? Have you ever been in jail? The next question, we covered this a couple weeks ago. Uh, when would be the right time to kiss someone? This person said, when the teacher is distracted. <laughs> under the table, when your parents are asleep or not looking, under a car or under a blanket. I did it once. Someone else said, someone else said, uh, best time to kiss, your, kiss someone is when your ex-girlfriend passes by. <laughs> These guys are mean. Um, next question. Next question. Who do you think is happier, someone married or someone single? This one person said, single, because then you get to keep on dating. Just make sure the person isn't cheating on you with Jessica or Nicole. <laughs> Some personal stuff. Someone else said, single, because you can get more women. It's quantity, not quality. This is a kid saying this. Wow. Um, someone else said uh, I think I'd be happier with someone who is single because if I was happier with someone who is married then he'd be cheating on his wife okay next question how do you know you've met the right person you've met, how do you know you've met the right person to marry first they have to be sweet kind and funny fun to be with not ugly and and I don't want to be another notch on his belt. Okay? Next response. When you've been dating and it feels like you've been getting nowhere for about a year. Okay? Someone else said, face does not matter. Personality does not matter. Body matters. This is a little kid. A little kid said this. Someone else said, when you can visualize them crying over your deathbed, a morbid, a morbid little girl. And then someone else said, um, how do you know you've met the right person to marry when they obey you like a dog? So, 
I so, can think of someone who might have said that. <laughs> so speaking of dogs, we've titled the series. Uh, we have the dog head on top of the guy and the, the feline head on top of the woman because guys and girls can be often as, as different as dogs and cats. And so... Um, uh, if you, at any point in the series or today you have a question you would like to have answered at the end of the series regarding dating, relationships, uh, why are guys so um, great, why are girls so great, um, whatever you want to ask, uh, you can text this number and we will, uh, ask, we will answer the questions at the end of the series uh, on a given Sunday for that. Um, also, I'm really glad to welcome my wife with us this morning to help me that's a little blind right now answer some of these questions yes um which by the way uh so so you brought those pictures in this morning is that how that works i brought them in last week wow wow (laughs) you definitely owe me one for sure um but today uh each gender has its sins, and last week we talked about the sins of men. This week is the sins of women, and so um, this will be kind of like a tag team, like a wrestling event, like a tag team where I talk and I tag her, then she talks, and we're going to tag team until all the ladies just tap out, okay? That's the plan. Uh, so um, so basically, uh, she's going to begin, and uh, so I'll give the floor to... See, all the girls are, like, on the back this week. Why is that? Actually, those are are, are college students back there. They're they're checking things out today, so. Okay, well, guys, Dave and I really, like, had blood, sweat, and tears over how to label these women because um, we didn't want to use the typical labels and hear a lot of groans and and stuff. Um, So bear with us. We probably still did stereotype it, so. We tried not to. Um, Just a little disclaimer before we get started. Um, These are obviously labels. We're not trying to put you in a box. Um, What I would really encourage you to do is rather than the minute I say the woman, you go, oh, that's such and such. Oh, I know who that is. I want you to think about you. Who are you? Um, There may be some things in each person that you go, oh, well, that's not me, that's not me. But who are you most likely to be? Um, Maybe you've grown in in the Lord, um, but you still have certain tendencies, and and you know that's who you're most likely to be. Um, The first woman is the dramatic woman. Anyone? Um, we, we really thought of naming this the Gossip Girl because on a certain night on Facebook, it's like, oh, my gosh, Gossip Girl is on in 10 minutes. Can you believe what happened? Um, I don't know what that's about. But um, basically, this woman is a busybody. Now, who, who knows what that means? Does anybody know? Because I've got a real nip. Huh? Okay. Um, basically, it's someone that gets their hands in everyone's affairs and makes a greater mess of it. This might be the friend who you're arguing with someone else and suddenly they end up in the center of it. That doesn't mean, like, they don't even have beef with the person, but suddenly they're like, wait, how are they in the center of this conflict? Um, they're trying to always, maybe they're trying to help, but they somehow always make a bigger mess of it. Um, they're slanderous, which means if they get hurt, they then go and smear that to person to someone else or on Facebook or whatever. Um, they're conflict-driven. Their friendships are defined by talking about people, being mad at people. Um, to where there's really nothing else. And, and guys, this is easy to do. I mean, Dave and I, we went to a wedding one time, one of his best friends, 
And uh, to put it nicely, the lady he was marrying was um, uh, Bridezilla. Anyone ever heard of that? And we were staying with three couples in a condo that I didn't really know the women that well, so it was kind of a little uncomfortable. And this girl just got more and more psycho and crazy. And, man, did we have things to talk about. I mean, suddenly we bonded over this. Every conversation we had, every dinner we had with these couples was talking about this girl and how crazier she was getting throughout the wedding process. Um, This dramatic woman, she's always mad at someone. She's always being hurt by someone. Her feelings are always getting hurt. Um, She kind of has like an offensive heart. Like she's always going to interpret things in the worst way. She's always going to take the worst translation, the worst case scenario. Um, There's never giving anyone the benefit of the doubt. Um, So many girls like this are kind of like addicted to chaos and conflict. Many guys can be this way too. Um, Sometimes they're trying to... Jealousy, hello. Um, but they're, they're trying to create what they see at home. So if they've got a family life that's very angry, conflicted, chaotic, that's what they're used to seeing. And they then go on to recreate that in their friendships um, and in their relationships. So the results of a dramatic woman. This is what can happen over time. This may be what already is happening in your life. Is, is, um, these are just things that I've, I've seen um, in, in working with girls like this. Is a lack of attentiveness. Um, not ever really being emotionally present in a situation. Guys, how many times have you been out with a girl? Is she not there? She's there, but she's not there. She's maybe texting. She's on the phone. Can I get a show of hands, maybe? <laughs> Anyone? Oh, y'all are just y'all are sitting next to the girl. That's why you're being so nice. Um, I see that here in church. It's like I'm sitting at the table, and they're like under the table. The testing right. Question. That's what they're Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it's kind of like your security blanket. It's like Linus. You know, if you feel uncomfortable, if you ever feel awkward or insecure, it's like, man, whip out that phone, and suddenly I'm, you know, it's like a pacifier or something. Um, so I, I get, and what's weird is I get a lot of guys coming in now if I do, like, couples counseling, and I say, you know, well, do you all spend quality time? Do you go out? Do you all have daytime? And the guy's like, yeah, but she's always, like, on the phone or texting or she invites her friends along. And I'm going, man, like, usually guys get blamed for that, you know, not being attentive and stuff. So I think that can be one of our greatest gifts as women is, is to be sensitive and attentive and nurturing. And, and we're losing that. That's my concern in all of this. Um, another one's broken relationships. that. We're just living a divorced lifestyle. Um, We don't have to be married to be divorced. Um, You can be divorced from friends, siblings, um, parents in some ways. Uh, And I think that that's going to have some far-reaching implications. I think we also fail to mature emotionally when we stay kind of in this dramatic woman role. I mean, don't think you're going to grow out of this when you get out of high school. I mean, I see dramatic women in college. I see dramatic mothers. I see dramatic wives. Um, It it doesn't end there. Um, Many of you may have dramatic moms, and and you kind of learn that from them. Um, I don't want you to think that it's hopeless because that's your family uh, background. It's just going to be a harder road for you to kind of end some of these behaviors and stuff. So, Tag. All right. Um, 
Paul, in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul addresses this very thing about the female dynamic. It's funny how we go back 2,000 years and Paul even recognizes this tendency among females to, to sort of be this way. And so in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5, verses 13 and 15, uh, to give you some background, basically what has happened is there's a bunch of young widows in the church. They've lost their husbands to some kind of death. They have no kids yet. And so there's a young widow in the church, several young widows in the church, that Paul's making a recommendation to these young widows. Here's what he says about these young widows. He says in verse 13, They get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. So here's the problem. You've got young widows that have no husbands, no kids, no job. They've got way too much time on their hands. And Paul knows that for a female, that often leads to bad things. Okay? Now... Probably watched a lot of Oprah, Jerry Springer, uh, Days of Our Lives. I mean, just really consumed with like stupidity and meaningless things. And so here's what Paul says. Here's what Paul says. The solution to this problem is he says, "Hey, you're young. Your husband's dead. You have no kids. Remarry. Have children. Manage the home. Why? Because if not, they might fall into sin." Look at the strong language that Paul uses in this passage. You can't deny it. In verse 15 he says, Some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan. How much stronger language can you use in talking about these kinds of issues? Most of the time, as a youth pastor would stand up here and say, Hey guys, um, it's just not good to gossip, not good to slander, uh, not good to be a busybody. I'm just going to discourage you from doing that. But Paul says, Hey, stop following Satan. Okay? He, he busts out the Satan card. Alright? And, and so it's amazing how, how strong his language is when he talks about this kind of thing. And you know what? I have to say that the fact that he uses those words, we have to now explore this idea. Why is he making such strong language about these kinds of issues? Let me ask you this. If Satan wanted to destroy the church, how do you think he would do it? From, from outside the church or from within the church? From within the church, correct? When you think about uh, what happened at Fort Hood, um, the crazy thing about the Fort Hood massacre and what's scary about it is that this happened from within the army. And that terrifies all of us because... Okay, keeping the enemy at bay from the outside is, is fairly easy. We all unite. We all have this common enemy, enemy outside the army. But when the, when the enemy might be within your own ranks, that is a terrifying feeling. And so Paul knows that if Satan wants to destroy the church, the best way to do it is to come from within the church. And that is exactly the effect that these kinds of things have on the church. And so Satan's lethal strategy is to destroy the church from within. And I really, we really wanted today to, um, I think, 
we as a church, we make the mistake of uh, telling you what you are. You're a dramatic woman. Have a nice day. God bless you. And send you out the door. And we don't really give you any sort of strategies to say, here are ways and steps that you can take to stop this in your life. Um, I think we've gotten so conditioned to conflict in our lives, we've lost the heart of being a peacemaker. Um, We don't even desire it. We don't even know what it looks like anymore. Um, Usually girls have two responses to drama. Uh, They either fight back or they run away. Uh, One of the ones that run away, we, we call that the peace faker. Um, they make things feel okay when they're not. Um, they'll deny that they're even hurt. What, you know, I'm, I'm not hurt. What are you talking about? No, I'm, I'm not sad. That didn't bother me. No, it didn't bother me at all. Or we, or we blame the other person, and we never really look at ourselves or, or take responsibility for what part we might have played uh, in that conflict. Um, or we just simply take flight. We just cut someone off. And so you you look around your school and you go, yeah, I used to know that person and I dated that person and now we hate each other. And, and there's just this sea of people that you just don't even know anymore. Um, the next one's peace breaker. And that's someone that will try to be right at all costs. Um, and that might be through slams, using humor and sarcasm uh, to clobber people or to aim vicious attacks at them. Or they just do it through gossip, just going behind their back and saying the same types of things, but just doing it behind their back. Um, that's kind of the peace breaker. Um, and I really want to encourage you guys to, uh, in terms of being a peacemaker, that you don't attack someone. Um, you pursue that person to, to work things out. And, and that doesn't look like going up to them and going, hey, you, we need to talk. Like, it's not this kind of attack mode um, when you come at someone, but it's, it really is expressing a heart and a desire to work that out. And, and that might be some, some rumors you need to just let them go. That doesn't mean that you, with every rumor, you go and you track that person down and, and talk to them about working it out. Um, sometimes you need to just release some things. Um, you kind of starve the rumor and then it dies and if you feed it, it grows. Um, but true conflict needs to be handled privately with that person. Um, and some questions to kind of ask yourself to see where your own heart is at. Um, I kind of call them the check-in questions so that you don't do something impulsively. Is You say, you know, where do I need to take responsibility in this conflict first? So rather than immediately coming from a blame place, you're going, okay, I need to check myself. I need to look at myself. So maybe when you go to that person, if you recognize something that you did wrong, your first thing out of your mouth is, look, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry if I've maybe I've been ignoring you lately and um, that's hurt you and I'm really sorry for that. Immediately softens the situation, immediately brings it down a notch. Um, also, how can I show God's forgiveness in this solution? Um, asking yourself, do I want to forgive this person or do I just want to be right? Um, and then also, how can I honor God in this situation? Um, those are some things to, to look at. Um, those are things that I give girls that, that I see and counsel to look at. And I will say, if you're consistent with these things, it takes time, but they do work. Um, Sometimes you'll be putting it into practice, putting it into practice, and you're like, it's not working, it's not working. And all of a sudden, you start to become a different person. 
Because um, if you are that dramatic woman and you go in the next day to school and you say, oh, like, I'm so over drama, like, I, I'm just so over all this drama. Like, if you're saying those things, like, you're a dramatic woman. And I would say start putting it into practice. Don't go proclaiming your end to drama, but just stop. Quietly stop and let people start to see that in you. Um, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Um, a peacemaker, as Cordy said, is someone who reconciles. not someone who fights back or someone who runs away, but someone who actually puts their energy into reconciling with the person they're in conflict with. Uh, we said you can be a peace faker, a peace breaker. Um, I would say this, that if you're someone who is, you fake peace with people or you break peace with people, I would say that you cannot have a relationship with God and do one of those two things. You can't do it. You can't have a right relationship with God and break peace with other people, have conflict, be, be conflict-driven, chaotic-driven uh, in your life. You see, as I said before, Paul drew a line in the sand. If conflict, drama, if those are your things, then you are essentially helping Satan destroy the church. He is leading the charge and you are on his team, if that is your thing. And so you have to recognize that our biggest problem in the church is our own sin, and it is also Satan and his, and his temptations, but it's also our own sin. It is not each other. It is not each other. Next person we're going to talk about is the, the shallow woman. That should be a fun one. And I'm going to turn the uh, air out. I know it's cold in here for you ladies, so. It is cold. And for Dave. I'm, I'm worried that a lot of, there's going to be a lot of women in here that, that maybe meet this. But you're not going to think you do because you're maybe interpreting the word shallow differently than, than what I'm intending. So I really want you to, to listen to what I'm saying. Um, the shallow woman is, is kind of emotionally shut down. Um, this girl might say, yeah, I get along better with guys than girls. Like, I don't like girls because I don't like drama. So they're, they're kind of the opposite of drama, but they're kind of emotionally shut down. So they kind of hang out with guys, and, and they think that a way to, to get along good with the guys is to not have emotions, um, to kind of be numb. Um, they don't, you don't know what you feel. You don't know what you care about. It's cool not to care. Um, and there's real kind of no sense of emotional presence or compassion. You might be really wrapped up in an activity. Um, that can be fashion. That can be music, band, whatever, sports. But it's usually kind of a way to just shut down things. You get really caught up in that, and, and you just kind of lose sight of yourself. Um, kind of a blank slate emotionally and spiritually. Um, you might be funny. You might be sarcastic. People will usually like you, but you're hard to connect with. It's hard to really get close to someone like this. Um, people will say, yeah, I like them, but I don't really feel like I know, know who they are. Um, and I, I see a lot of girls like this, and, and many times if they, if they begin to grow and change and deepen, they end up being my, my favorite girls, most favorite girls to work with. Um, what will usually happen is 
is I will be counseling them and just start to get more and more and more frustrated by them. Just like they're not opening up. They're not saying anything. They say they don't know to everything. It's just like there's nothing there. And right when I'm about to give up, one of you, you know, the shallow woman will come in one day and will be telling me something and will connect to something that's hurt her, made her angry, or disappointed her. And, it, and then this kind of emotion will come out. And then from that moment forward, it's like this trust is built and they begin to share more and more. And, and something in them, it's like opens up. And suddenly there's all this stuff where I thought, well, they don't have an opinion on anything. It's like suddenly they feel all of this stuff and they have opinions about everything. And, and I realize they've noticed a lot. Nothing has passed by these girls. It's just they've just numbed themselves out completely. Um, and, and what I notice is that when a girl begins to open up and deepen in this way and not numb herself out anymore, it's like she becomes a hundred times more beautiful. It's just like there's this richness and this complexity to her that wasn't there before. And I think that's what makes um, we as women attractive to men, attractive to other people, and can bless people in that way. Um, so I think that... The irony of the shallow woman is she's really usually, I know there are shallow women that are just very, very shallow, but they're usually not as shallow as we think, but they're hurting and they're angry or they're let down by something. Someone didn't acknowledge their feelings, so they just went, well, fine, I'm not going to have any then. Um, The results of this, depression, when you shut every emotion down and you numb yourself out, your body will let you know that something is wrong with this. Like, I need to feel. I need to get things out. And so you'll become depressed. Um, you might have suicidal thoughts or plans. Um, there are, you know, bad sides to, uh, bad effects to numbing yourself out. Cutting, eating disorders, stealing, looking for some way to make you feel. Um, I just want to get a rush of feeling from something because I feel so shut down in other ways. Um, loneliness, just a lack of deep connection to anyone. Um, so I think these are kind of some things that, to me, uh, summarize what a shallow woman is. And I'll. How many of you guys? How many of you guys would say that uh, women are too emotional? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, well, they would say that you're too lustful. And we'll deal with that next week. But, um, but I will say that uh, we both can blame the other side for something, correct? We both can blame the other side for something. Uh, but a lot of guys say that women are too emotional. It's one of those things that guys always say, if a guy wants to offend another guy, he will say, hey, quit being a girl, right? Because the implication is that you're crying like a girl. Well, hey, listen up. Girls hear that. Girls hear that. I think one of the biggest reasons why girls shut down emotionally is because we as guys, we say to them things like, hey, quit being a little sissy girl. Quit being an emotional basket case. And so the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of girls is they don't want to be seen as the typical emotional girl, so they try to turn their emotions off. And see, when they do that, their emotions become warped. Their emotions become twisted. Because you, you can't just turn off your emotions. You can't just turn them off like, and as, as if they weren't there, like you're switching off a light bulb. You can't do that. Uh, you see, when, when a woman shuts down, uh, she gets consumed with stupid things, with meaningless things, with courting detail. Um, because I think the soul, 
was created to connect with God, but it was also created to connect with people. And whenever you try to turn that thing off, what happens is you start to seek connection elsewhere. Psalm uh, chapter 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, here God is telling the Israelites, the Israelites are trying to take matters into their own hands. They're worried about their enemies outside the nation of Israel. And so God is saying, stop being frantic. Stop making your own plans. Stop trying to save yourself. Because that's ultimately what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to save themselves. And that is exactly what you do whenever you try to turn your emotions off and try to funnel your connection to something else besides God or other people. You're essentially trying to save yourself. You, you feel lost. You feel disconnected. You're trying to connect with something. And so you find stupid, meaningless things to connect to. And so my message to you is that, that God wants you to trust Him. He wants you to be still. He wants you to know that He is God. The only way to know that He is God is to disconnect from the stupid things, the meaningless things, and to reconnect with God and also with people that are like-minded. So what a, a uh, shallow woman needs in terms of things to, to work on, to begin to, to focus on in herself. Um, I think the first one I would say is reflection. Um, this is not the same thing as being self-consumed, narcissistic, anything like that. Um, but it, it's a sense of having curiosity about yourself and your feelings and the feelings of others um, to understand, like, why did I get angry in that situation or why did that upset me so much or why when my mom said that to me did I go and shut myself up in my room or I hung up on my friend when they did this and, and kind of ask yourself, begin to reflect, like, what am I feeling? What's going on inside of me? Um, and also the feelings of others that it kind of doesn't just stop there, but it leads into the feelings of others. Um, the next one is honesty. Um, start telling the truth about what you feel, about what you think. Um, don't cover up what you feel with things, busyness, activities. A lot of these girls love to help other people. But when you ask them how they feel, they can't, they can't tell you. You know, I've had girls come and sit in my office and go, you know, this is really uncomfortable. Like, I'm not used to people helping me. I'm, I'm used to helping them. And it's really hard for them to let go of that and start to acknowledge, like, yes, I hurt here and I'm angry here and sad here. Um, so I think being honest with yourself is a huge step. And the next one is vulnerability. I think that we need to kind of reclaim that sense of being soft, gentle, vulnerable women. It doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean overly emotional. We kind of worked on that earlier that we're trying to get away from being the overly dramatic woman. Um, be, be willing to share your feelings. Listen to the feelings of others. Be willing to feel all the complex emotions that women feel. To do so in a mature, wise way, but to be honest and vulnerable. Um, I think that makes us attractive to, to others when, when we do that. And I think we've really, really gotten away from what it means to be gentle. Uh, so those hopefully are some things that will help you. And we'll kind of move on to the, the good woman. Um, 
really looking forward to this because this is a woman that easily falls through the cracks in church. Um, you know, we'll talk about the seductive woman, the angry woman, but we don't talk about the good woman. So, so what's wrong with the good woman? Um, on the surface, nothing, but inside, everything. Um, she never loses her temper. She never parties. She never cusses. She never watches anything bad on TV. And she's so good, she never sees her sin. And what's worse, she never sees her need for Jesus. So she might say that she's a sinner, but she can't get specific about it. What's, what is she sinful about? Um, her biggest sin is that she doesn't know what her sins are. Um, so the good woman, she, she will give you her duty, but she will never give you her heart. Um, when I counsel girls like this, it's like they're so stinking polite and nice, and, and I almost feel like I'm kind of being lulled into like, oh, they're so nice, they're so sweet. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, the whole time I feel that they're going, oh, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and yet holding me at arm's length. They never let me really get to them. And sometimes they will have a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, but that's not what a good woman expresses. So there's this pressure to be good. Um, And so if there's anything negative that this good woman feels, well, then it becomes something that she has to go underground about. Um, So there's not a lot of passion to her walk with God. Um, She's really good at following the rules of God. And Christianity, but completely misses the heart of Christ. Um, so the results of this are disguised pride and arrogance. Um, they're so good that they know that they even need to hide this. But underneath it, there is a very subtle self-righteousness and a sense of, I'm not like them. There's this line in the sand. It's these kids and me. And the next one is secrets. That if you feel like a good woman and you're constantly told by your parents and teachers and youth pastors, oh, you're good, you're good, you're a good girl, that, okay, well, what if a good girl feels angry? What if a good girl feels hurt or sad or maybe is really struggling with some issue? Well, it has to become a secret. So there's, there can many times be a lot of secrets to the good woman. Um, and the next one is control. If you're a good woman, there's sometimes it's more about not honoring God, but I just like to be in control. Um, you might see this with girls that get really good grades. They always obey their parents. Is it, it sometimes doesn't even come out of a passion to, I want to honor God in these ways. It's just like, I, I don't like messing up. And that's about control. That's not about uh, honoring God. So I, I think that... Um, this, this woman many times kind of flies under the radar, and I think it's, you know, we need to talk about that woman. Absolutely. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, uh, verses 23 to 28 say this. Jesus had some really harsh words for um, someone called the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Imagine uh, if you go to your kitchen sink one night, 
and you've had a bowl of cereal, and dishwasher's full, you don't want to unload it, which happens to me quite a bit, and you stick it in the sink. Next morning you come back out, there's a dirty dish in the sink. And so you want to have cereal in the morning as well. So you decide to pick up the bowl, and you put soap on the outside. You scrub the outside of the dish, and uh, you rinse off the outside. And obviously this would be really, really stupid to do because everything that's, that's messed up is inside the dish. The inside of the dish has to be cleaned for it to be useful again. So you would never do that with a dish, but when it comes to our lives, that's exactly what we do to present ourselves to God. We try to clean up the outside, fix the outside, when really the inside is what's really wrong. And so what, what Jesus is saying is that if you fix the inside, the outside will take care of itself. Don't just try to pretty up the outside and ignore the inside. You see, the, the Pharisees were people that they sought external purity, but they were completely oblivious to the sin that resided in their heart. The Pharisees were more concerned with how they looked than how they actually really were. Um, if you think of it this way as well, Jesus also compares this person to a whitewashed tomb. That may sound like a foreign idea to most of you. It probably is. Uh, back in that day, if someone was buried in a graveyard-type setting, they would put white paint on the tomb to signify, hey, there's dead people over here. Don't come this way. But it was also an aesthetic thing. It was to, to make things look prettier than what they were on the inside. I would liken it to today. Obviously, we have... Uh, nicely manicured lawns and graveyards. We have nice headstones. We have nice pretty flowers. And But if you really think about it, all that work on the outside to make a graveyard look pretty, we can't deny the death and decay under the ground. And that is exactly what uh, many of us look like, spiritually speaking. We, we do all the right things. We say all the right words. But on the inside, we're completely dead. We're passionless. We're Christless, and we are dead and decaying on the inside. So, you want to go ahead and make the next one? Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things needed for this woman is humility. Um, that you come to God with a, a sense of just assuming you're a sinner. If you feel kind of out of touch from where you're sinful, that you begin to confess things like pride. Confess things like arrogance. Lord, reveal to me where I'm prideful. Reveal to me where I'm arrogant. Begin to show me in my life where I may be self-righteous and, and I kind of like just being in control. Um, it makes me, it's more about my image than really about pleasing you. Um, I think the, the next one's relinquishing control. Um, that sometimes it's more about feeling good and being in control than really pleasing God, um, that you have a real zeal to follow the rules, um, but not a, a real zeal to, to reach the lost. It's kind of, you, you see church as this castle with a moat. Kind of, we, we, the good people get in and we keep the bad people out with a moat. Um, and I think that and the last one is just a greater awareness of brokenness. Um, reading things like the Beatitudes, seeing Christ as I came for the, the broken and the weak and the oppressed and the poor in spirit and the brokenhearted, that God's coming for a lot of broken people. So we might as well start assuming we, we're really more broken than we realize um, and that maybe there's something in God's blessings of us seeing ourselves more and more like that as opposed to getting stronger and better and all of that, that maybe 
getting to the heart of Christ is about seeing really how weak we are. Um, so that those are some things that I would really encourage the, the good woman to do. Um, we're going to wrap up, but I want to say to, to the guys, I know this has been like a girl talk, uh, but to the guys, this is especially important for you because as a man, God has designed it so that you be the spiritual leader in your home eventually and in your family and also with your, with your future wife. And so I think for you, this is some really valuable stuff because uh, when your wife or girlfriend starts to exhibit some of these things, you'll be able to say, no, look, look, there's a better way. There's a, there's a better way for you to be living, not, not to be caught up in the, the drama and the shallowness or even being the good woman that, that appears like everything's fine and really things are, are crazy on the inside. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes men make is they, they become passive. And so their wife brings all this drama to them, and they just, like I said last week, men end up being either angry, passive, one of those two things typically, or they just are funny. And they resort to those three things to sort of deal with these kinds of things in the women. Okay, because the man feels very weak and unable to handle these kinds of issues. Okay, so next we're going to talk about uh, three more sins for the guys. And then the fourth thing we're going to talk about, three more sins uh, for the women. So I hope that both, even if it's not a talk just for you, you can still get a lot out of it uh, in that regard. Okay, so let's go ahead and pray, and you guys can get out of here. God, thanks so much for today. Thank you so much for uh, your word and how it speaks uh, directly into our hearts. Thank you for how it convicts us of sin. Thank you for how it, um, it shows us our need for a Savior. We thank you so much for being a God who is so gracious to us. Uh, to transform us and to change us from the inside out. We pray I listen to your name. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday. Um, 